Hello, everybody. I'm so excited to bring you today's episode with my friend Allie Bird. She's from Canada. We met through the online community of the Almost 30 podcast and have connected over podcasts and Instagram. And uh, she is just a super awesome and motivating and inspiring person. And I really just love this conversation. She's got a very interesting take on the quarter life crisis and the choices that we make being part of this generation and the challenges that we all face in all walks of life at some point or another. So it's an awesome conversation. I hope that you really enjoy it. uh, And I love you guys and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friends. Welcome to the Edge of Fear podcast hosted by Liz Basil Lewison at Liz Without a Pillow. Each week I'll be bringing you some different insights, lessons, and laughs with an end goal of a more empowered and authentically happier human race. Everybody's got a story, and everybody's story is important. Let's do this. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Edge of Fear podcast. I am so excited to be bringing you another guest, somebody that I don't know. She's a stranger to me, but we're already best friends. (laughs) So I'm super excited to have her here. Uh, Will you introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Allie Bird. I am an artist and an athlete and a recovering people pleaser. I am a personal development coach and everything that I do is inspired by freedom and fueled by courage. Um, My special sauce is helping people navigate quarter life and bringing big, beautiful, creative projects into the world, whether they are afraid of them or, you know, trying to figure out how it'll work. That is like rocket fuel when I get to work with people like that. So, so, so incredible. Thank you so much for all of that. I didn't realize when we spoke last that like quarter life crisis thing was a real thing. Like I definitely was just like, oh, I love that term that she just used. I'm totally going to use that. But (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. And I think, you know, a lot of people joke about it, but our, the period of quarter life for us is such a intense, quickly evolving process that it can easily be overwhelming to think about how much change happens um, in quarter life, you know, from the age of like, say like 18 to 30. Um, it's wild. And if you, you know, don't start that process of change on as sure of footing as you could, it can definitely like be a crisis. Um, So yeah, it's definitely not a joke. It is a real thing (laughs) and causes real pain. Yeah, not at all a joke in any way. Like (laughs) super fucking serious. Um, No, I love that. Do you think that that is something that is new to us like in our generation or is this something that has been in humanity in the US in I guess, North America, because you're not in the U.S. Wait, you didn't know where you are. Where <laughs> oh, are you? sorry. So I live in Canada on almost as West Coast as you can go. Amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, so do you think that this is something that is like new or has always been happening and we just haven't heard about it? That's a great question. I mean, I, I am not an anthropologist or a sociologist by any means. Oh, perfect. So maybe you, you should answer your own question, but I think that's why that is my question. Yeah. So I think the thing is, is that millennials in particular, we are a generation of choice, right? We were raised to believe that we could do anything and be anything that we wanted. And 
the future hasn't turned out that way for a lot of us, right? It's, it's right. a lot, it's a lot different than that. And we were set up in a system where if you do what you are told, then you are rewarded. But I think the quarter life crisis for many of us comes at the point where we've done all the right things. We've got all the applause that we're going to get as youth. And then we're like, oh shit, this is like, this is either like I've hit a crossroads in my life where I'm headed down a path and it doesn't feel right anymore. Or it's like, I need to change, but I've never stepped off and kind of done my own thing and experienced what that like freedom of choice actually feels like. Um, so I think in what I've read, it is a millennial thing. Um, but I know there's probably people who in the past have experienced it too, but I think it is, it is in part uh, a product of our generation. I really love that very well-researched answer. Thank you so much for sharing that perspective. <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I can really appreciate that. I mean, so do you, are you insinuating then that people need to have some sort of like free expressive, like kind of phase in life in order to transition? Or do you think that you still will hit that crisis and transition and that you can kind of hit that, you know, that need for I've been calling it the uh, butterfly chrysalis is only like this is a new thing, but like having oh, a yeah. chrysalis moment. <laughs> You're like, hitting, it's like this, I had a period in my life where I was just like, this is my caterpillar phase. Yeah. <laughs> before I go into a cocoon. Anyway, sorry. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, or do you think that it will happen anyway? And another thing that I've been thinking about, I, uh, literally also this week is first of all, how like, like there are so many major deaths at the year 28. Like that's like a historical yeah. real thing. Yeah. And then also like so many of the great philosophical thinkers were like this, like roughly 20s to 30s. And then some many older and some very young and, you know, obviously everything in between. But same thing with like major like celebrity deaths and crises, like they happen across all ages. And so I think it's just like kind of worth acknowledging that like this transition, like this can happen at any time, but specific to our generation, this quarter life crisis is like so prevalent and like certainly why I was called to this mission. Like, and it sounds like you as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's funny that you mentioned that. So there is definitely like a 27 club. We're talking about like Kurt Cobain and Janis Joplin and all those famous people who Thank died you, at the age of, yeah. well, it's, it, it's around that age. Right. And this isn't my specialty, but there is like an astrological like component to that, that people call you like your Saturn return. So it takes 27 years for Saturn to rotate around the earth. And they say that, you know, every 27 years for that, like Saturn returns period, you go through this like e immense change. Um, that's a horoscope thing. I don't have a lot of expertise on it, but that is a thing. Um, Still more then, than I knew about it. So again, <laughs> thank you for this. Insight. There you go. Maybe you can have someone on your show to talk about that yeah, process. Sure. I would love that actually. Yes. Um, but then also I think, I think that you are inevitably going to go through a series of changes at quarter life. Like it's just the nature of growing up you know, leaving your childhood home, leaving the nest and like spreading your wings and trying to figure life out. Um, I think that the more practice you can have standing on your own two feet, trusting yourself and your decisions at a younger age, 
the better you are to be set up to not fall so hard or be able to get back up more easily than if you haven't done that in your younger years in a nutshell to your question. Yeah. I mean, totally. So, so what, hmm, I don't know what, how I want to phrase my next question. Do you have anything that you want to follow up with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I also like, you don't have to wait for a crisis to change. Right. And I think a lot of us walk around our lives, whether you're a core life or you're middle-aged or you're practically on your deathbed and you keep saying things like, I should do this and I should do that. And I want to do this and I want to do that. But, and then there's this huge, but right. But it's only when those shoulds become needs that we actually take action. And when they become needs, that's kind of like the point of crisis. So if you are able to switch those shoulds to like, your to-do list, that you're actually going to take those actions, you're going to do those things, you're going to be that person in the present, you can avoid a, so much of the pain um, that might come with that crisis. Wow. Oh my God. So powerful. So beautiful um, to like literally to be that person because that's, that's all it is. Um, yeah. it, literally just like standing in and the, I, I told you about the personal professional development mm -hmm. class that I was taking, um, Landmark. They say standing in your possibility, just being your possibility. So you like choose that. a possibility and then you just are it. And you just, whatever you should do isn't should, you just do it. And, and I also, like I just posted about this today about um, affirmations. And that was what episode 19 was really all about, like affirmations. And it's, this claiming of your future right now. I treat my body. I, I one of my, I, I named like my favorite, like 10 affirmations in episode 19. And I'm like obsessed with all of them, but it's, um, I respect myself with every decision that I make. Mm. Um, I am guided by my inner wisdom. I shine my light to remind others that they can too. I am peaceful around food. I am confident in my skin. I'm comfortable in my clothing, like all of these like really wonderful affirmations that just are present tense. I am yeah. this, I, I am this right now, not I'm going to be. And to just stand in that is like the most fucking powerful thing. When you realize that you are your own worst enemy, Lit had it right. I'm my own worst enemy. Man, like my last two solo performances <laughs> have been so off key. I'm so embarrassed. Oh no, but you're you're so right. Just being able to to be to be who it is that you want to be, just like embodying that is so important. And I think when we turn those those shoulds those wants tos, those wishes into actual like present moment action and being, we skip so much of the regret that comes later in life. Because, you know, you don't hear people who are dying say, oh, I wish I didn't do like this. They're like, I always wish that I had done that. Um, do it now, right? Like figure out what's holding you back and do it now. <laughs> It's crazy. Um, what you just shared like opened up for me my experience right before I left for, or right before I made the decision to leave last year for Europe. It was it. Was, these were like the words that made me 
make my decision to leave. And obviously a few other things had fallen into place perfectly wrong in life to allow for such a situation for me to be like, fuck it. I have nothing here and no one loves me. Like it's time to go, you know, like there's nothing holding me back. Um, I was, I happened to have a vacation planned to see one of my best friends, Matt down South and his mom and stepdad were coming to visit him the same week because we were like friends through high school and like they loved me and I loved them and I was so happy to be seeing all of them. And then I was going to spend the second half of the trip with my grandma, my aunt, my cousin and whoever else like down in Florida. And it was like every person that I met, every person that I spoke to when I was like telling them of my conundrum, which obviously I wasn't, I was like seeking people to tell me, you know, I like needed the answer. Cause I was fucking telling everybody. I was talking to everybody about like my conundrum. Um, but like you have to like, otherwise you're only thinking in your brain. Like, do you really think that you have all the answers? Like, don't you think things would be better if you had all the answers? Like, obviously there are more answers outside of your brain, but you don't get them if you don't ask people. Absolutely. I think yeah, I think it's it's a it's a fine balance about going outside to find the answers versus finding them on the inside. And a lot of the the work that I do specifically is getting people to a place where they like trust themselves. Because right. there are, you know, big scary like ambitious dreams that a lot of us are just walking around with. You know, I I personally did this too. Like I was just waiting for one day to wake up and have enough courage to actually live the life that I really wanted to live. And it, when, you know, I'm sure we'll get into this, I like finally like reached a point where I was like, okay, nobody else is going to do this for me. I have to do the work myself. And it was a long process of building up enough trust within myself to know that if I took steps in the direction that I was truly being pulled in, I had to be okay if I failed. And I like I knew like I knew the vision that I had. I knew what I wanted. But at the same time, prior to that, I would have gone to anyone and asked for their advice. But at one point I just something clicked and it was like, no, like I don't need anybody else. I know this is what I want and I'm gonna continue on this path because this is what feels the most like me that I have ever felt. Yeah. And I'm so excited because this is the first natural lead in for me to ask. So what is your edge of fear moment? Because I literally haven't really asked anybody. I think I asked my first guest because he was the first guest after I named the show. And so I was like, I don't really know where we're going with this conversation or how to podcast. So I literally, like, I was just like, I don't know what my first interview question should be. So it will be that. And then the whole conversation was that. And obviously it ends up being like a great story. And I've gotten so much feedback on it, like about like manifesting and stuff, but like, this is the shit that people aren't talking about. And that will literally make you better. And the other thing about that, the other side of that is people are talking about this. Lots of people are talking about this. I almost didn't start this because so many people are talking about it. I'm like, there's no room for me. This is stupid. But like, we just, we live in that scarcity and we don't trust ourselves. Um, something that I love about what you were saying um, on like, I have to do the work and like, I have to trust myself. I have to get to a point of trusting myself. Um, I heard today on the Quick Brain podcast with uh, Jim Quick, he said that, I forget if he said like somebody said it to him or if he saw it on a t-shirt or something, but he said, 
knowledge doesn't equal power. Knowledge plus action equals power. And I was like, oh, fuck, yes, you're so right. Like action, that's what's missing because you could have all the answers and you could know what to do intellectually, but not doing it. And so just the real quick end of my story before I now shoot to you, (laughs) um, because I didn't have that, that courage to push through my edge of fear moment at that time, this was the very beginning of my transformation of my journey, um, I was seeking outside answers and not so much outside validation. I was kind of already on my way to being past that, you know, for the day (laughs) (laughs) because I'm right back in and out. (laughs) We all slip. Their journey is not linear. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. Um, But I was, I was just, I just didn't have the courage to leave. And I'd already left my toxic relationship, but I wasn't like, yeah, I'm going to fucking leave Europe. And so everybody that I, or I'm going to leave the U.S. for Europe, everybody that I asked, they were like, you, and mostly they were older, um, a few younger, but mostly they were like older women, you know, middle age, some men, middle age, some older, um, you know, some just a few years older than me, but it was like, you don't have any kids. You don't have a boyfriend. You don't own any property. What are you even thinking about this any longer? Everybody, everybody said to me, like, this is my only regret is that I didn't do more when I was younger. And I'm not telling you to book a one-way flight to Germany, my friends. I am telling you that like, whatever your dream is, go do it because tomorrow is just going to turn into tomorrow, 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 and someday is never going to come. And if you just think about your dream and you just wish on your dream, it it ends there. It dies with you. Don't let the music die inside you. Something like that. Yes. That, that was beautiful. Okay, beautiful. So poetic. I can never quote correctly, but I always have the right intention. I was, fe- I, I felt it. I felt, felt, it? I felt the emotion. Perfect. Yeah, it was uh, great. That's, that's what I'm going for. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So tell me your yeah. story. Tell me your edge of your moment. Tell me. All <sighs> okay. All right. So let's, I'll start relatively at the beginning. Um, so I talked about, you know, being a young person who follows a path. Um, and that was definitely me. Um, I have learned that I am an obliger. As I introduced myself, I talked about being a recovering people pleaser. I had, yeah, I had always had this like desire to travel and explore. And I was like this wildly creative kid, like theater arts, singing, drawing, painting, what have you. And then when I was getting ready to finish high school. I really, really wanted to go on a gap year um, to take off and like, I don't know, work on a sheep farm in New Zealand or what have you. Um, And that was my plan. But I also didn't have any role models that were close to me, mentors in my life who had done that before. Um, so when it came time to apply to schools after high school, everyone was just like, oh, just apply and see what'll happen. Like, see if you get in. Looking back, there was no question whether or not I was going to get in. I was a good student. I had good grades. It wasn't going to be an issue, but I got in, they gave me some money and everyone was like, oh, look, this is amazing. This is incredible. And I was like, okay, I guess I'll go. So I went, I had a great time. Like, I I made the most of my breaks. I actually, my best friend, my roommate ended up being from Switzerland. So we got to travel a bit. And then when I was ready to finish my undergrad, 
I was the like the bubbling up of this like travel thing, this exploration came up again. But at that point, I was like, well, now I have all this student debt. I should probably just work on getting a job, but you can't get a job with an undergrad anymore. So I jumped into a master's program. Welcome uh, to humanity, people. This yes. is really like you are just you are just that is just the story of all of us. Like, yes. Even if you didn't want to do the gap year, like you yeah. had other thoughts about I mean, or maybe you oh, did. Yeah. Lots of people yeah. have their vision and they're like, I'm gonna be a doctor and that's it, and eye on the prize. And good for you, but you're still gonna have a breakdown somewhere. Somewhere <laughs> like, sorry, just letting you know. Something's not gonna go as planned. You're gonna have to figure it out. Right, yeah. exactly. But like how many of us just because this is just the normal way. Even if you're like really drawn, really, really compelled, really pulled to something else, you just, you don't go for it because you just go for what's normal. And gap years are much more common in Canada, I think, than in the U.S. They're really not common in the U.S., at least mm. in where I grew up or like where I went to college and like other places I've lived along the East Coast, like gap year is not a thing in the U.S. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know about the, like, I don't, I, I still, I have like, actually, no, that's not true. I have a few friends who not necessarily took gap years per se, but took time off between um, high school and like post-secondary education, whether that was to work more or to travel or whatever. Um, but I never did. I just went dove right in. Um, being too, like, honestly, just too afraid and not confident enough to say that, hey, this is something that I really want to do and I'm going to figure out how to make it work. Um, yeah, of course you're afraid. We're all afraid. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so Nothing I even weird about it. At all. <laughs> like it just sucks for like, yeah. until you realize it, that it's just normal. Yeah. So I finished the master's program and I, again, had this like urge to do something, but I still had all this debt even more at this point. So I jumped into a job, which I really loved. Um, I worked with an amazing team, the small nonprofit. Uh, but, and I got to travel a little bit, but then, <laughs> so at this point I have been in a relationship for a very long time. And so I probably worked at this nonprofit for about like two, three years. The year was like 20, 2014. And I'd been with someone for six years and it ended. And so that's like pretty much yeah. since high school. Uh, uh, no, it was nine, 19 to 25. So a year after high yeah. school, a year out of yeah. high school. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Cause we're the same year, I think. Are, were you, are you born 89? in 89? Yeah. 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 89. Um, great year. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. So I ended, I ended this relationship and I was finally starting, <laughs> actually, I'll tell you the, the, the interesting thing about the year that I ended that relationship. So it was 2014, um, the year of turning 25. And because I've, despite the fact that I was not entirely courageous uh, at that point in my life, I was very driven by doing like epic things. So I, I, <laughs> I labeled 2014 as my year of 25 epic things. And like I started my so fun, right? But the funny thing is that 2014 ended up being epic on such a different level that I had anticipated. I thought I was going to do like wildly adventurous things, like maybe jump out of a plane or I don't know, 
kayak down a waterfall. I don't know, but that's not, that's not how it went at all. So I ended this six year relationship. I was recognized as a like 30 under 30 to watch, uh, in Toronto. I moved into my own place. I got a cat. Um, and I was just like living my like best, like Taylor Swift life because that was also the year that she put out 1989. Yes. So I was like, shake it off, investing in my girlfriends, not boyfriends. Um, I love it. Right. This year for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then I met someone who was, is incredible and like just filled like all the gaps, um, that I never really knew that I had and fell wildly in love, uh, pretty much like on my second date. And (laughs) soon after that, uh, he told me that work, um, being the military, he was changing trades. He was going to get posted somewhere across the country. And within like a short few months, I was like, okay, I'll go with you. Because up until that point, I had always had this really burning desire to go on this adventure, to travel, to get away. And I had never had the courage to kind of do it on my own. So I thought, hey, you know what? I have this person in my life now. It's a bit of like a, maybe even like a crutch, I could call it. And it's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this. Like, we're, we are going to move across the country together. And that was like my edge of fear moment because I thought that I was going to be going on this beautiful like swan dive into adventure um but full disclosure it felt more like falling down the stairs um but we can get into that uh about why why it felt like that but that was my edge of fear moment is like saying okay like this is something I've always wanted and here the doors are open like step through and uh let's do this yeah Oh man, I love that analogy so much because I, the analogy that I use for the edge of fear is that you're standing at the edge of a cliff with a jetpack on and you, your jetpack is all of your life's tools and your skills and everything that you've learned, all of your lessons throughout your life. And so you have this jetpack where, yeah, your jetpack's like faulty as fuck. <laughs> you like crash and burn like quite a few times. Um, I actually yeah, it could just, definitely happen. Yeah. I just screenshot something I saw um, on a YouTube video yesterday that my buddy sent me, but he was saying how, I, I want to say it was not Carl Jung, but that it mm. was like one of his predecessors. And he said, I'm going to read it because I literally yeah, me with quotes today. can't mm-hmm. even handle. Okay. So it was Richard Bach. Everything in this book may be wrong. And I was just like, it's, that's exactly how I feel about this podcast. And that's like that analogy just couldn't be more on point falling down the stairs. I mean, we were literally just like, working on the tech on this startup <laughs> on starting this call uh, for like seriously an hour and i i have 19 episodes out today there is no reason i know i celebrate like yeah that's right like, just definitely a little a like woo, I'm so raise the roof moment yeah Yeah. I'm so excited, but there are still just nonstop fucking little failures and nonstop bumps in the road. And it's fine because I know that it's important to me. And like what you said, the universe is just like, are you sure? Are you sure? sure?" And it's, it's like, you know, if I'm not sure, I'm going to second guess the hell out of it. And, um, and I might, you know, dust myself off and, and just walk off the sideline. But like, 
I'm not gonna. Mm-mm. I'm, I'm sure, universe. That, yes, I'm sure. I'm gonna put that faulty jetpack back on and <laughs> see what I can do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, so now, like, my work really focuses on giving people the skills so that they know themselves so well that they trust themselves. So when they do step up to that cliff that you're talking about, their jetpack is a little better. Yeah, than than faulty, right? And the reality is, is that even if they do fail, they know themselves so well that they're going to be able to get back up because, you know, getting deeper into my story, it took a really long time for me to ask for help. Like I had to, like, I fell down steps upon steps upon steps before I was like, oh no, like, I, I don't think I can get back up under my own strength. Um, and I see that so much that people are just like, they're struggling either with trying to, you know, take that, that, that step over the edge into that fear, or they already have taken the step and they are struggling so hard to look like they are not struggling. Oh my God, what a waste of energy. Right? So right? much energy trying to look like we have our shit together. Yes. And nobody gives a shit, honestly, if it looks like you have your shit together. I promise you that <laughs> from someone who does not look like they have their shit together, <laughs> but still has 19 episodes out. Like, that's yeah. okay. Like, even my, my buddy, Dean, my, my library tech buddy who works here, my seriously, like, lifesaver, like, would not be off the ground if it wasn't for Dean and Chris at the Sage of Library. <laughs> Shout, Shout out to Dean and Chris. Guys. Yeah, seriously. Um, but he, we were, like, talking about, like, you know, because we were struggling, I could not figure this out, and he was really trying to help and then took over completely and then – and still couldn't get it to work. And he was, like, I don't know, like, the audio might not be great. And I was, like, I got, like, nine episodes where the audio is shit. <laughs> like, we're just going to do it because if I let that stop me every single time, I would only have ten episodes or I would have none because I would have given up after three times that I failed. And it literally – I'm still failing regularly. Like people, it's okay. And like the more you do, the more you can do and you learn and you grow. And like, I mean, I'm not doing this on my own at all. Like I'm taking personal and professional development classes. I am volunteering. I'm like trying to give back. I'm trying to be a mentor. I'm trying to like, you know, fill my cup and also like serve others because then I feel like purposeful and like my life has meaning and like, it's so great. <laughs> like I have people that like, you know, respect and care about me because I'm like trying to be better and like not just taking, 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 like you, you mm-hmm. give and then people give to you. Like, it's really simple. Like karma. That's yeah, it. for sure. One of my favorite quotes is a Churchill quote and it's the definition of success is moving from failure to failure without any loss of enthusiasm. Right. So it's like, okay, you fail, just like fail two times harder the next time. Like there's, there is so much that we can take from our losses and repurpose them into something productive in the future. But at the same time, there's also another really great book. I think it's a book. I forget the name of it. I'm sure somebody out there knows of it. My references are never clear. (laughs) (laughs) There's this great analogy just like biologically, that we blink however many times a minute, right? 
And when we blink, things go dark. But we see our lives in light and color, you know, if we're blessed with good eyesight. So despite the fact that we spend a lot of our lives in darkness, you know, we sleep with our, most of us sleep with our eyes closed. And then we're blinking so many times throughout the day, yet everything in our lives is light and color. So even if you are failing, there is light and color in those failures that we can take and apply and use as fuel to propel us forward. Yeah. I posted something about that in my Instagram story like yesterday or the day before, because this week has been very, very trying. Like the ups and downs this week mm. has been like a true roller coaster. And I am like, I, I think I say this all the time, no matter what is like, I'm on the upswing though, <laughs> but I really am now. Like the end of this week has been so awesome. I've been so great. And maybe it's like a little manic, but like whatever, but it's, like, I, I feel really good the end of this week where at the beginning of the week, I was like, I was just down. I was like in the middle of a couple of breakthrough or breakdowns about, you know, various relationships within myself or external to me or with work or with school or with the army or with whatever. And like, just breakdown after breakdown. And I just kind of had this moment where I like got really present to what I was feeling, which is. I'm literally in a seminar right now called creating happiness through the landmark foundation or whatever form or whatever landmark and edit that out. I should probably know like what the actual. (laughs) Um, And one of the exercises that we're doing daily or, um, you know, weekly or biweekly, however often I'm there every other third week where we have to get, super present to our experience if we're feeling sadness like get super super present to the sadness and then like literally will it away like Mm. and so we do this practice like six seven times back and forth like happiness sadness happiness sadness happiness sadness and then like that's your assignment so like every day before your next seminar you're supposed to do it again and so I got really present and I didn't do the switching back and forth. I always don't really do the assignment, but like I get present at least to the emotion. <laughs> it's really hard. Like it's very hard. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like, I'll do it sometimes when I feel like it. <laughs> really setting myself up for se- success by doing all the homework <laughs> per use. Um, But I got really present to like the sadness that I was feeling. And then the next morning I had a group call with my team And I told them about the breakdown that I had been having and basically like that I, I'll just tell the story. So I got in trouble at work for being two minutes later than I said I was going to be. I said I would be there in five minutes and I showed up in seven minutes and I had told her in the first place that I was going to be late. But so I arrived and I know that where my boss is sitting at this time of the year that she can see me she can see everybody in the parking lot coming in. And so I pulled up and I was like finishing posting an Instagram story, obviously. (laughs) And I'm walking in like really slowly and on my phone and she texts me, is everything okay? And so I am like, are you motherfucking kidding me? Like how passive aggressive is that? Like, I know that you can see me. This is like really annoying. I'm an adult. Like just have a conversation with me or like meet me at the door, even like stop me abruptly. Like, but like, don't be passive aggressive because you're my boss. Like I would appreciate like 
if we could just have a conversation and like address this then, because you've only once told me not to be late at past orientation. So I got it. This is my fault. I am fully responsible for my tardiness. That is in no way your fault as my boss that I'm late. You didn't tell me. Like, I got it. I, I need to be on time. That's me. But the only time that I've gotten in trouble where I'm like month five was two weeks ago. And I have been on time or early every day since. And I've stayed late a couple of times. And like other than the requests off that I had already put through. And so I go to my desk and I am fucking pissed. I am like, I answer her, you know, like 10 minutes later, um, sorry, I was, I was like, uh, and this is a lie, but I was like, I was on the phone. It's my sister. Or I said, it's my sister's birthday. I didn't even say I was on the phone. I said, it's my sister's birthday. So technically didn't lie, <laughs> but I was like, it's my sister's birthday. Um, it won't, I emailed you. It won't happen again. So I, I answered the text like way later. So I emailed her um, and I was literally shaking and I had to physically stop myself from shaking because I was like seeing red. My chest was all tight. Like, my like throat, my everything was swollen and like crunched mm. up and I was so angry and like fired up about it. And I sent this really professional email where I took full responsibility for being late. Um, and I apologized and said that, you know, I was um, in no way trying to disrespect her. I said this at the end, but frankly, she had been so busy that it didn't seem like she would care what was going on in my life. And I named a few of like the things that have been going on in my life, which is my last day in the army was, you know, three days later after eight years, my first day of school after also eight years was going to be one week after this job ended, not even like three days after this job ended. Um, I hadn't finalized like what my part-time job was going to be after this job ends in two weeks. And they literally like just told us the final day, like after like different dates had been like kind of floating around. So there was like a lot of shit. And also I launched this fucking podcast a month and a half ago and I don't sleep anymore. And I'm like <laughs> volunteering for Landmark, you know, I'm like doing yeah. a lot of other things. Like this is not my whole life anymore. I realized that it was when you hired me and I'm really sorry, but I told you about the podcast was like in the horizon. You know what I mean? Mm. And I was just, so I told her really briefly, like the six things that are going on in my life and like bullet points, you know, or like in parentheses, literally this, 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 and this. Um, and I was like, it just seemed like, uh, like you really only cared about our physical presence in the office and not our mental or emotional state because the other girls that I work with have also been struggling with other things, um, as well, like personal, like real personal, real serious things like major surgeries and like car accidents and whatever. So deaths, like, so I just, I, I stood in my truth I, I said what I needed to say, but I didn't like call her passive aggressive or blame her for my lateness. Um, I just said what I had to say. And then we had like a team meeting later unrelated and I felt totally comfortable being in the meeting because I had said everything that I needed to say. And I was still expecting to be like kind of angry, but because I had cleared the space by addressing the problem, there wasn't any like fog or anger towards her or over the meeting at all. And so I shared this on my group call the next day. And I was like, I, I was really just sharing about how present I was to my anger and my frustration and my rage, you know, like at the passive aggression, which is like a story. I got it. Like, you know, she wasn't, you know, I got it. <laughs> but 
it was, I was just sharing that. And as a result, they all, they were like, you know, you've been like a really strong, like presence and leader in this group. And we really appreciate you like really doing the assignments. And I was like, just also reiterating that I really didn't do the assignment. Like I still didn't do the assignment, but like, but it was just really great to like then be acknowledged. And then the whole week was better because I like addressed this inauthenticity and like this like lie that I was holding onto, which was, I'm mad at you. This is your fault. You Mm -hmm. only told me once not to be late. You know what I mean? Like, and we just do that all the time where we're like, this is the whole world's fault. And it's definitely not my fault. (laughs) And I should take no responsibility for this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that like, that's something I tell clients all the time is like, okay, there's something that's not going the way you want it to in your life. You are your own responsibility to make it right. Nobody is going to fix it for you. So if it is a great enough thing that is like disrupting your happiness, your success, your joy, what have you, you have the power to fix it. Whether it's like removing yourself from that situation, saying what you need to say, setting boundaries, et cetera, et cetera, being intentional about what the story is that you're telling yourself and you can fix it. It takes a hell of a lot of courage sometimes, like, and it's great that you were able to like stand presently in that moment and that emotion and like do that. But it's, yeah, it's our, it's our responsibility um, to make sure that our needs are, are being met. Totally. Yeah. I really, I really just like, I resonate with your whole story. I really love your story and like about like leaving the first relationship and like trusting yourself to get into this one. I mean, I'm totally with you. I like fall in love at the drop of a hat. So like, (laughs) I feel like I like love an excuse also for an adventure. So if I had like just been seeing somebody, I like so resonate with that. And they were like, let's move to Idaho. I'd be like, yeah, Idaho. I've always wanted to go there. Yeah. And I mean, it it was terribly romantic um at the time yeah but yeah and then like you know going back to the falling down like the stairs the analogy like I we moved and it was fun for like a couple of weeks but then (laughs) yeah right and then I literally cried every week from July to January like I have a I have a notebook that it's like how can someone cry for like nine months or however many months that is um and still not be okay. Cause like, I was just, I was just waiting for like the moment that I would like wake up and be like, okay, like this, this, this is my future and my present and I'm good with it. And I, that wasn't, that wasn't happening, um, by any means. Um, and it took, it took a good, like solid year to figure out like how to, to get back to a good place on a day-to-day basis that I was, I was happy with. So, so what did you do? Yeah. Great question. Yeah. I took a year. Um, I did a couple things. Uh, so (laughs) it really started like that. The, the crux of when I asked for help is that my, my partner was like, Hey, like I can't be the only person who is helping you with this. Cause I, I had made him my entire support network. Um, which wasn't fair. Uh, and we had a really frank discussion um, about it. So at that point, I hired a coach. 
and we really got down to the root of why I was doing everything that I was doing. And it turned out that I was just doing it all to make enough money so I could pay off my student debt and then I wouldn't have to do it anymore because what I was really craving was freedom and just the freedom to be the person that I wanted to be and do the things that I wanted to do without any emotional attachment or pressure from anybody else or trying to live up to anybody else's standards or impress anybody. And because that's kind of how I'd been living up until that point. Like I, I was easily swayed um, by other people's advice and opinions about what I should and shouldn't do um, to the point where like, I really, I had no idea who I was and what I stood for and what I wanted my future to like really look like. Um, so I got down to the root of who I was and then I decided to quit the job that I had really liked, but wasn't really serving me anymore. Like the, the people that I had worked with in the office in Toronto before I moved to the West Coast were great. But then when I started to do the work on my own, it just wasn't the same. So I quit my job and I used my savings and took eight months off for, I had an adult gap six months or eight months. And I like literally just did whatever I could to be like the fullest expression of the person that I am and that I wanted to be. So I turned out that I am wildly creative, more creative than I ever thought I could be. And I had kind of dismissed it as like youth um, but it was something that was really going untapped and uh, an unmet need uh, as an adult. So I went to filmmaking camp uh, with oh people. My God, yeah, amazing. right. So I made I made a documentary film with some youth. Uh, I was definitely the oldest person there, uh, but I had a great time, and I built this yeah really fun documentary, which was great. I auditioned for a musical and got a role in that. So I played Princess Winifred in Once Upon a Mattress. Yeah. <laughs> it was it was honestly like the the best moment of my gap year, I think. Um, I also my friend was getting married in London. So uh, my partner and I did uh, a week in London and then two weeks in France. And yeah, I, I caught up on a hell of a lot of sleep. I read books and up until that point, like I didn't think that I was a reader. I was just like, whenever I tried to read, I just fell asleep. So it was like the first time where I was like, you know what? I'm actually like rested enough that I can read a book. And I read all the books. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I, I went to the beach. I went for walks. I drank coffee. I just kind of did me. Uh, and it was like a process of figuring out and expressing who I really am. And then when it came time to go back to working, I was like, what can I do to bring the best version of myself to life? Because I, I don't ever want to be in a place again where I don't feel like my greatest gifts are being untapped. And it's funny because I, I have my, my, one of my very best friends um, who was 
one of the first people that I reached out to when I, my partner and I had had the conversation that like he couldn't do it by himself. Um, I reached out to her and I was like, Hey, I'm not okay. And that was like the really tough conversation to have, but she has been like a rock, um, in my life since then. And when I was talking about like going back to work and finding a job or making a career transition or something, and I was contemplating doing coaching, um, she was like, that's you. She's like, that has always been you. Like you're the girl who had like all the motivational quotes on her wall in high school. Like the fact that like every goal that you've had, you've achieved at this point, like it makes so much sense for you to like go down this path. And I guess that was kind of like my second like edge of fear moment is like putting it out into the world that I want, this is what I want to do. And it's unlike anything else that I have done and oh everybody's a life coach now I was so worried that people are gonna like say that to me like oh you're a life coach that's great right. um right um but that hasn't been the case by any means and it, oh, it you have your own podcast. yeah it's yeah yeah right fear. it is right it is. right it it's a huge fear you. it will just yeah. forever you can't for sure yeah. no and you, yeah you can't let that stop you by any means and now it's like helping people like through that process, that like transition phase of our twenties of quarter life is like that, like it is me. And just like when I do it, it's just like, it's like this beautiful, like marination of everything that brings me joy in the world to see people opening themselves up to what their life can look like when they are free to be themselves. And it's like the most powerful thing. So oh. for anybody to ever scoff at someone who's like going through the journey or like following yeah. their dreams, like that takes a real kind of asshole. Honestly, and if you are, that's fine. Like go be your asshole self. Enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I just, I just want to like acknowledge you for like sharing that story. And I just, like Allie and I have joked since our first interaction <laughs> that we are like best friends and we met through the Almost 30 Nation. We um, did. The Almost 30 podcast, which like I love so much and I'm like so grateful to have discovered. I've met so many and not met, but like I've interacted with so many mm -hmm. wonderful women and like I do feel like I know you so much through these literally two conversations <laughs> and a couple of messages and yeah on and Instagram. Instagram yeah whatever. yeah but just like your your whole story like even like the part about the like every little thing like how you said you were the oldest person at the camp yeah. how incredible if you were to realize that things actually get better as you age because mm. you no longer have the same insecurities and self-consciousnesses that you would have had you done them when you were younger and same thing with like going back to school like you're confident in it. Like you, you're doing it because it's a choice, not because it's a societal demand or a norm. Like you're choosing it. Yeah. And I think, I think the beauty of growing up is that you, you become less and less patient to the point where it's like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks anymore. I don't have any time to waste right. worrying about what the outcome is going to be. I know that I have to do this. So I'm going to do it. Like I, like you start hearing the, the call becomes a pull. Yeah. And yeah, that, that is a really, really magical thing um, to be able to do that. Also just like going back, it's like 
being the, being the oldest person at like film camp and like doing those things that you feel called or pulled to do. So I mentioned like the musical thing. I did musical theater or and theater all through high school, but I being a people pleaser, being a follower was so scared. Like I could be dramatic in like my small group of friends, but I was a very, very shy, very shy person. Which so, is so funny to see how you are. I never would have guessed that, but you've already shared it with me. And like, and I mean, even like I was, I was always an extrovert, but I was still shy. I still was very self-conscious and it's just yeah. so real. Like it will just consume your whole life. Absolutely. To the point where it's like, I knew that I could be doing a better job, like in all the, like the drama world. Mm-hmm. Right. But I was so scared of what other people would think. I didn't have any, like, I didn't have a really good, like, support network or a lot of friends in the arts when I was, like, I had friends who were musicians, but no one who was in, like, theater. So I, I definitely, like, held myself back. And I remember, like, in grade 12, kind of, we were doing The Wizard of Oz. And I was probably, like, in the running for one, whether it was a, a witch or Dorothy or whatever. Like, right. there were a, probably, like, a core, like, four people who could be considered for those roles. And right. instead of actually like standing up and competing for one of them, I stepped out and I said, no, I want to direct instead. And I was like, oh, I can, I can feel this actually as I'm telling this story, how it like makes it feel. Um, yeah. So I took, I took myself out of the running, right? And I feel like that was a, definitely a pattern of being like, I could go for this, but the risk is too great. So I'm going to take myself out and do the thing that feels the safest. But once I had that break, whether like call it a quarter life crisis, call it a quarter life breakdown, whatever you want to call it. That moment taught me that like, that is actually, that is what the bottom feels like. And I felt it right. Like I know, I know what'll happen if I get there again. And I know that I have the tools to get out. So there is nothing holding me back at this point. So going for it, like auditioning for like community theater. Like I want to be princess Winifred. Like that is a role that is calling to me. I was like, I'm going to step up and go for this. And it worked out. And it was like, why did I hold myself back so much when I was younger? If I knew like deep down, if I had like cultivated the courage that I needed, like inside of me um, to step up and say like, Hey, this is something that I actually can do. And I'm willing to go for it at all costs. So so powerful, Allie. Like, I mean, and just like speaks to like who you always were and how much it was just hiding beneath the surface. Another um, quote that I love from the landmark classes um, that I'm going to butcher, obviously, (laughs) uh, is basically that is that Michelangelo said that he didn't sculpt David. He said that he started chipping away and everything that wasn't David fell off. And like, yeah. I wish that I could remember what the exact quote is, <laughs> but yeah. it's like, it's still like, it's so powerful because we, we are there, we're in there, you know, but there's so much covering us up and it's like so crazy. Another thing that you shared that really struck me, I got chills a couple of times that you were speaking, like, honestly, like just, <laughs> how deeply I relate to it. Mm -hmm. Um, When you hired the coach, it was just so funny to me the way that you said so casually, you were like, well, it turned out I was worried about my student loans and I was saving for like this freedom. And it was just so casual. It turned out, but that's the fact of it. It turned out, it turned out I was pissed off at my dad. (laughs) 
And it fucked everything else up after that. You know what yeah. I mean? It turned out I was worried about money and it fucked everything up after that. It turned out I was afraid of being on stage. Like whatever it mm -hmm. was, whatever that little thing was, it turned out that it can ruin the rest of your life or you can decide to take ownership of it. And if that yeah. means hire a coach, if that means, you know, like join- Listen class, to the podcast. Listen to podcasts. <laughs> like it starts small. Yeah, it really yeah. does. And like just even what you said about, I mean, then this was already like post-transformation, but kind of like part of it when you, you know, you were traveling with your partner and you were like, I got to sleep. I finally got to sleep, right? I got to read. So I started sleeping during my deployment to Kuwait it was the first time that I actually literally, if it's funny that I was the least busy on my deployment than ever. Like my army mm -hmm. commitment was so minimal <laughs> because I was always just doing so many other things. I mean, but everybody knows you don't do anything in the army. It's yeah. <laughs> if you don't know now, you know, I hope that, you know, I'm being a hundred percent serious. You mostly don't do anything, but those taxpayer dollars, but I slept eight, seven to eight hours every single night while I was on my deployment for a whole year. So when I got back, it was so clear to me that I don't function as well on four or five hours of sleep. And so, oh my goodness, this is a clear opening for me of like self-care and how it's important to care for my body and take care of myself physically and also emotionally and mentally. And I also started reading at the beginning of my journey, like- <laughs> Last year after I left my ex, well, right around the time that I was leaving him, I had started listening to audiobooks maybe like six months before. Um, and the summer after I moved out was like, I started, I picked up, you know, Marianne Williamson and Gabrielle Bernstein. Mm -hmm. and, and suddenly I was like having conversations about the universe and it just opened my life. Like it just opened my world. And yeah. I was already like headed down that path, but like you, you got to start small and it has to be consistent. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I know like even the sleeping thing for me, like I was raised in a household. Like if you, if you weren't up when the sun was up and you weren't working, then what the hell are you doing with your life? Right. So the concept of not having a job for one and using the time that I had to actually rest was I carried, I carried some pretty intense guilt for a period of time um, that I had to work through. But in the end it was like, you know what, this is actually like for my health and this is, this is what I need right now. Um, and I actually remember like, before I went off to university, like the summer before, um, like I was just, I was working a lot. I was going to parties because everybody's like, oh, we're leaving. We're going to miss each other so much. And I remember, I remember like sitting at like my kitchen table and I don't know if I said it out loud, if it was in a conversation or something, but I do remember this like thought that stuck with me was like, I don't know when I'm going to actually sleep again. And like, I think that's how I, I live my life from like the age of like 18 to like 27, 28 is just Seriously. like sleep is like a utilitarian activity. Right. And if at least you like put your head on the pillow for a couple hours, like you will survive. And it's true. You will survive. Right. But at some point, like adrenaline and caffeine is going to get you only so far. Yeah. I've listened to a lot of resources on this. Um, Joe Rogan has had a bunch of sleep specialists and uh, it it just made me really interested in the topic and everything else that we need to fuel us. So like food and water, for example, our body maintains a reserve of it, but mm -hmm. it does not maintain a reserve of sleep because you cannot, A, you can't catch up on sleep 
once the sleep is gone, you do not recover. Like really ever, you can't recover sleep. And also because you just can't function without sleep. That's why they say that driving tired is worse than driving drunk or the same as driving drunk because your cognitive facilities literally shut down. And it's because you can't function without sleep. Your body needs that time to recover. And it just was never important to me also. Same. Yeah. So yeah, insomnia is really cool when you're, you know, <laughs> under 26. Right. And like, and can kind of bounce back. And also you don't care about consequences. And also like, you're just well, I think it's like, like a fantasy world. Yeah. It's like cool somehow to be right. like, oh yeah, I only got three hours of sleep last night. Look at how big my cup of coffee is today. Right. right? Like it was a bit of like a badge of honor. It was like, oh, you're getting like, you're sleeping like 10 hours a night. Like, what are you doing with your life? 2010 right? through 13 <laughs> on Twitter. My like favorite hashtag was team no sleep. Like oh, shit. T- team no sleep. <laughs> yeah. I fully remember that. Like that was a real thing. And I was super proud of it. Like, let me have as many jobs as I can. Let Mm -hmm. me like overbook myself as many classes as I can. Let me also like acknowledge how much I don't spend time with the people that are most important to me (laughs) Mm. because I'm just trying to spend a little bit of time everywhere. Like just didn't acknowledge that until I was like 29. But For sure. I think we are out of time. I think you need to leave. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, so. I think yeah. This was so amazing. I had so much fun and I really can't wait to have you back. I hope yeah. you'll be back. I would love to be back. Okay. Because awesome. we're best friends now. So well, I'll be, yeah, I'll I'll be, be back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll come visit you. You come visit me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Where can they find you? All right. You can find uh, information about me and my coaching at AllieBird.com. And you can find me on social media at the AllieBird. Ali, A-L-Y, bird, like the animal. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, And that will all be in the show notes. So thank you again, Ali, and we will see you soon. Thank Thank you you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find me on Instagram at Liz without a pillow. If you loved what you listened to or know somebody that would, please share it. Screenshot the episode in the podcast app share it to your Instagram story, and tag me. If you'd like to lend your personal support, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be so grateful. Tune in next week for a brand new episode. See you then.